0: We bring you this special radio television broadcast in order to give you the very latest information on an amazing phenomenon. Just a minute, ladies and gentlemen. I think something is happening. Good evening. I hope you'll excuse me if I appear a trifle excited. We're only interested in one thing. Can you tell a story, Bob? Can you make us laugh? Can you make us cry? Can you make us want to break out? Enjoy your song.
1: We move fast. Can you take it? No matter what you do now, you're still part of everything that's happening.
0: Used to be in silent pictures, used to be big.
1: I am big. It's the pictures that got small.
0: Uh-huh. We need more heart in motion pictures. You know how to whistle, don't you, Steve? You just put your lips together and blow. Listen to me, Hatcher. You gotta tell him. I just want to say one word to you. Just one word. Are you listening? The movie. This is the one I'll
1: be remembered for. Hello, and welcome to Sorted Cinema. Starting this week, we're going to be taking some quicker looks at some recent films that we are have been catching up on and thought are worthy of your time, but we will not be droning on about for 90 minutes. Um, the first of these is a little film called The Beta Test, written and directed by Jim Cummings and PJ McCabe. Let's
0: hear a clip. What are we doing here? A couple of weeks ago, I got a letter in the mail inviting me to a no strings attached sexual encounter in a hotel room. It's pretty card, looked official. I don't know. I was stupid. I went. What, dude? This is nuts. I had to wear a blindfold, but the woman can't even tell you. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa wait. What's going on here? Hold on. Wait, this is really happening? You really did this? In this climate?
1: Honey, is anything going on? We're getting married in like six weeks.
0: If anything was going on, I'd let you know. Now I'm suspicious of everyone. Maybe it's your wife. Maybe it's my way.
1: People are so terrified of stepping out of line. <laughs> Consequences won't go away anymore.
0: Come on, Jacqueline. Was I taken off of the email chain with Marvel? This is a failure. I can't use the language that I'd like to use to you right now because of the new direction that the agency and the country is going. I'm fine. Everything's great with me. This isn't a midlife crisis. I'll let you know when I'm having one of those. <laughs> Hey, Jacqueline, perfect timing. So how are you going to come in tomorrow? Let's call today a wash, okay? How are you going to look tomorrow when you come in? How are you going to convince me today that you're better at your job tomorrow? Jacqueline.
1: I think maybe now is a good time we all take a break and, and reassess what it is we're doing here. Hello, it's Sorted Cinema. We're delivering some quicker hits to you over the next little while as we uh, catch up on 2021 and uh, hopefully share some hidden gems with y'all. I'm joined by Ricky D. What's up, Simon? And uh, I'm really excited about this series of shorter episodes we're doing. Um, I think as usual, we're probably going to try to take turns kind of throwing stuff at each other. And um, the first of these films that I saw and immediately thought, this is something that we have to talk about unsorted is uh, the beta test. Um, as a quick and dirty summary, uh, this is an independent feature uh, crowdfunded. It's uh, it's budget uh, that is in the mid six figures. So really not a lot of money we're talking about. Uh, and it stars, it's uh, co co-writer, co-director, Jim Cummings. Who you may have seen in the Wolf of Snow Hollow or Thunder road uh, as a, uh, a Hollywood agent of, you know, sort of in the, um, hyper-toxic entourage mold uh, who finds himself both in the middle of a dying industry, uh, which uh, is a, a major plot thread in the film, uh, as well as the uh, subject of a of a strange social phenomenon when he finds himself invited uh, to an anonymous sexual encounter with no strings attached and uh, no identities involved um, despite being engaged and uh, things go awry from there. Um, how would you... How would you sell? I feel like as much as I'm excited to talk about this movie, it's a difficult movie to describe to someone who hasn't seen it. So how would you go about that?
0: Well, I just want to say that I was a little let down because I thought that this was going to be a straight up horror film. And that's not to say there's anything wrong with the film. It's just that I saw it on a list of the best horror films of 2021. I don't know if I would classify it as a horror film. We can talk about this. But to me, this is a bunch of things. It's first and foremost, a satire about Hollywood, about Hollywood agents, about social media, about the film industry. It has a lot to say about the Me Too movement. It has a lot to say about your digital footprint. In a way, it could be a digital age horror film. It kind of feels like it belongs in the reboot of The Twilight Zone. Like Mm -hmm. you could easily make this about... 55 minutes long, and still have like a really solid episode of The Twilight Zone. But I think it's also a cautionary tale about, again, your digital footprint and how you have to be really careful, especially in the year 2022. I mean, this man who's like a very successful Hollywood agent decides to accept an invitation to meet a lady at a hotel for what is supposed to be a no strings attached one night stand and he does this as you said when he's engaged he's about to get married and he's taking a big risk and throughout the whole entire film they talk about how it's even more risky now to do something like that in 2022 because of the internet because of stuff like the me too movement because you never know when it's going to bite you in the ass.
1: Well, the the only my only note for that description would be he appears to be successful. Part of his job is like managing the appearance of looking successful,
0: right? Well, well, we do know I, that at one point in time he was successful.
1: Yeah, it's it certainly seems. Yeah, that there's the agents in the in the film in a recurring, very funny sort of subplot are constantly talking to each other about how. Their industry is dying. Their that their their company literally will not be occupying a, a physical building anymore at one point, according to one conversation. And um, and also they're trying to trying to desperately spin this crisis into opportunity. And that's another thing that is uh, that is a, a huge part of this movie is uh, people talking about optics and spin and uh, trying to um, trying to manage a situation that's clearly um, spun
0: well out of control. Yeah. Um, well we, we should just say that because of the movie subject matter, because it specifically centers around the Hollywood agent, it's interesting that the film itself was 100% crowdfunded and made by these two men who I think used what was a Kickstarter or one of the one of them platforms raised three fifty thousand dollars within 10 days to make the movie just so they can avoid, the traditional corporate schmoozing model of old school movie making in Hollywood where you had a basically buddy buddy with a bunch of agents and producers and people you did not want to deal with who would have say and control over the movie. In this case, they actually have full control, full creative control over their own film. And I think that is amazing. But what I like most about the movie is it's a black comedy, but it's also a detective story.
1: Yes, it does. It, it, it absolutely. Um, I don't know if it does it cleanly by act, but um, something that's really fun to watch is how the movie toys with genre from act to act and sometimes from scene to scene. If anything we've said so far intrigues you about the movie, definitely just go watch it because the colder you go in, I think the more interesting an experience you'll have. But I do know that some people are sensitive about screen violence and things like that. So I think it's worthy of mention that, like, the opening scene, um, they literally originally envisioned Italian actors for that scene because they envisioned it as a giallo sequence, essentially. Um, instead, we have, I believe, they're Swedish actors they ended up getting, and they ended up rewriting the scene in Swedish instead. So right away, the movie is fucking with audiences in, in several different ways because the opening is not in English, which is, I think a lot of people are going to be checking there. Uh, their streamer and television settings when the movie starts, which I think is very funny. And also the movie tricks you into thinking it's a completely different genre than it is because the opening is horrific.
0: It is really violent, really bloody, really gruesome. It involves a murder and a couple breaking up. And that is one of the reasons why I did actually think I was going to sit down and watch this really sort of like heavy horror film. And again, I'm not complaining because I love the movie that we get, but it really does make you think you're going to get one thing and you get a completely different movie.
1: Yeah. And I think, but we, I don't know. We can talk about how, how effective that is in the, in the grander scheme of things or what it does for the movie. But um, I really like the opening both on its own and what it does for, um, for the movie in terms of, you know, making clear that these, you know, the, 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 the movie is really just about like the, the 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 main plot driver is really just about this algorithm that drives people towards cheating. You're not talking about anything more complicated than cheating. But as soon as you throw in people and especially rage, anger, jealousy and, uh, you know, in many cases, men, um, things do escalate and they escalate in often scary and predictable ways. And I think that 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 opening sequence uh dramatizes so beautifully like the, the sort of the queasy inevitability about some of those that surround some of those um some of those incidents and it's it's really tough to watch and it somehow does not totally destabilize the movie when it does uh shift gears later and uh reveals sort of what it really is most of the time as you've been saying which is um absolutely
0: a a black comedy wait wait hold on a second sorry yeah you, you did mention algorithm and the thing is it's not really about an algorithm it's about how there are so many companies out there that will track all of your information on your computer on your cell phone like even i mean people don't realize that your app on your phone like your weather app actually tracks all of your data where you go where you move what you do and so there's this one great scene when they're at a bar and his best friend starts explaining to him how With the information that said companies store and then later sell to a third party, that is how they are able to determine that he is most likely able, capable, willing, and going to have an affair if the opportunity arises and presents Mm -hmm. itself to him, of which that is how they set up these victims. They send them these uh, invitation letters, by the way, invitations via snail mail, right? And these beautiful, mm-hmm. like purple, expensive envelopes that look like they're used for like wedding, like the something that a wedding planner would use. Yeah,
1: nice cardstock.
0: Yeah, and so he happens to receive one of these envelopes, which is what leads him to the hotel to meet this mysterious woman who he has an affair with about a few weeks before he's about to get married. So it is, again, a cautionary tale of, your digital footprint and just the internet as a whole.
1: True, although, um, yeah, we can talk about what the, what the movie is and isn't saying about the internet, which I think is also super interesting. Um, I do feel like at this point we have to mention sort of the the major asset that this whole production team has. I mean, they've got a lot, and um, if if you if you care about the nuts and bolts of of low budget filmmaking or medium budget filmmaking or whatever you want to call it, definitely listen to the commentary track because um Cummings and McCabe talk a lot about sort of the glory of embracing post-production and um what what they were able to do with that relatively seamlessly and it's anyway it's really interesting stuff.
0: They also had to edit the film post-covid so they they were able to complete the film before March of 2020 so the pandemic didn't interfere with the actual filming of the movie but they did have to edit and do all the post-production during covid which did complicate matters
1: sure and i I assume that also means like reshooting and things like that or maybe not out of the question but more difficult
0: well like like their sound designer and i'm not sure if he's also responsible for the score because by the way i really do like the music um Mm. but the the guy that did sound design, like if you watch the, the 20 minute documentary you're making of on YouTube, he had to work from a closet, like legit, like a closet in his apartment, because I guess he shares the apartment with roommates. Amazing. And so he had to spend weeks de- <laughs> creating the sound. Sort of I didn't even closet. know that. That's fucking wild. Yeah,
1: um, yeah I mean, it's. Uh, you know, at some point we're gonna talk about um the the new Matrix movie probably and I I don't I don't want to talk about that right now, but I will just note that you know it's it's wild to think about how cheaply you can make a movie that looks this good now. Because like that Matrix movie had a budget of at least 190 million dollars. Yeah. 190 million. And okay. most of it was
0: done on a computer though, that's the problem. Yeah, no, that's true. That that costs more money.
1: But um, yeah, it's just, I'm just, I'm so impressed at what they were able to do, but uh, we got to talk about Jim Cummings, who is our, our lead actor here, as well as our co-writer and co-director, because his, he is bringing like a wattage of performance way above the league of, that you might associate with low budget
0: American filmmaking.
1: Like the guy is legitimately a movie
0: star. Yeah. So. As soon as I finished watching a movie, I think I phoned you and I said that I could not help but think of Jim Carrey, specifically Jim Carrey in movies like The Truman Show, Cable Guy, Eternal Sunshine and a Spotless Mind, Man on the Moon, like those type of performances. Because he not only looks like Jim Carrey, but he 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 just grabs your attention, everything from his mannerisms, his facial expressions, his wide eyes, his pearly whites, his um his stance, like uh everything about him like like he's he's really charismatic in the worst way possible because he plays like this really despisable like slimy like agent but you can't take your eyes off of them like he's really transfixing and and he's a great great actor like this guy could star in any major hollywood action film in the lead like he's that good and when i when i compare him to jim carrey again it is somewhat about the physical appearance but it's also about his talent as an actor the way he expresses himself but it's not to say that this performance is like the cable guy where it gets very physical and borders slapstick comedy and like the stuff you would see Buster Keaton do in like silent films, but there is still something to his performance. Like he's just incredible, you know, like, like he's very paranoid, right? He's this control freak and he's very paranoid throughout the whole entire film. And the way he just walks around the office, for example, Mm -hmm. and he's always looking over his shoulder and he's always suspicious of everyone. It's, it's such an incredible, incredible performance
1: uh it's he, you cannot not look at him when he's on the screen basically like he he's he is like an incredibly um when i talk about budget he's essentially like the the equivalent of an amazing special effect they got for no
0: money yeah like it's it's he's priceless basically well- basically he is that type of character he's like an alpha dick and i think he kind of get Mm -hmm. gets what he deserves throughout the whole entire film even his name jordan hines like it just seems like if you're named jordan hines like you you, you're an asshole yeah well and
1: but i think the movie does toy with your sense of identification and sympathy like by the by the i think by the at least personally by the time the last act rolls around and he's really kind of taken charge and trying to figure out what's going on and who's behind this scheme inevitably like he is, he is, he's p- outputting so much energy that it's kind of hard not to feel at least invested in his quest. Even if you don't like him necessarily as a person, I think it's also interesting that, um, it, as things unravel and you, you hear more of his thoughts about the industry itself and about what he does and why he does it. Um, this is another thing about Jim Cummings characters, um, for that that has been ported over from some of the other films is that at on a deep level he understands that what he's doing is wrong he understands that the industry is toxic and uh and deranged and he has this he has a breakdown near the end of the movie where he goes into this in great detail in what i think is a quite a fantastic monologue to be honest harvey weinstein's name is is invoked
0: you're talking about the monologue in the garage I, I believe so. That is by far my favorite scene in the movie. So basically, like not to give away too much, but he essentially confronts his fiance. He has a breakdown. and He's he's going to lie to her, and he's like, you know what? Fuck it! I'm just going to tell the actual truth. And he just starts telling her everything, and he just never stops. Never stops. <laughs> just like like he's at us at like he like like as like his, as if he's just clean cleansing himself. Like she's a psychiatrist. It's this weird scenario. She's yeah. caught off guard, and because he comes clean, she actually just forgives him.
1: I mean, the certainly there's there's another through line of these movies of like, um, not necessarily Catholic guilt, but certainly a certain type of American repression and guilt that um, that vexes and poisons these these men and 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 helps keep them doing the same horrible bullshit. Um, but, uh, you know, another thing I, I, as, as great as, as Cummings is, I did, I did want to give a shout out to actually the entire cast who are, there's not a weak link there. Like clearly Cummings is like taking up the most attention, but even like, you're always kind of suspicious when like the co-writer co-director shows up in a supporting role where he explains dialogue. But actually I really like the vibe that he has with, um, PJ McCabe got yeah, PJ McCabe rather as his buddy slash coworker. Who's like, 30% more well-adjusted than he is, but still, like, kind of fucked up on the margins, which I liked.
0: Um, yeah, I would say he's 50% more.
1: 50% more, maybe, yeah, but he's, like, st- clearly still, like, yeah, there's... there's Like, he's still also an, a- an agent working at the
0: shitty place who who does shitty things.
1: Right, uh, but, but yes,
0: I, I, I kind of feel like that conversation they have at the bar, I feel like maybe it's a conversation they actually had in real life, because they, c- they clearly have chemistry, because they're real f- best friends in real life. Yeah. And like, it just felt so natural. I think it also helps that one to two screenplay writers are also acting in the movie, they already know the dialogue. Like, so it's sure. not only easy for them to remember the lines, but also to ablib improvise because they know what, it, what needs to be said. And they have that, that wiggle room to adjust things when needed. Basically what we have here is we have a digital age pseudo horror film that feels right at home in an episode of the twilight zone and or black mirror i I thought of black mirror but it's this is better than any black mirror episode oh for sure but i think that this is a movie that brian the palma wishes he made Ooh,
1: uh i mean he would have thrown in some split screen for sure which i would have not i would not have been mad about that but you know the movie's got enough going on aesthetically well he
0: would have used split screen for the opening sequence in which we get the murder Oh, for sure, yeah. yeah. But I also think it's a movie that WGA members will love.
1: Yes, yes. Uh, shout agents, out to the WGA. <laughs> agents will hate it, but <laughs> hate it. writers will love it. Oh, yeah, love it. The 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 last thing I really want to mention about the movie because I do think people should just see it. That's the idea behind these short sort of recommendy episodes. Is uh, I'd like people to to see and support the film. But um, I think another thing that I, that the movie captures in a really um, engaging way is that the sense of being on the precipice of huge change like knowing that like or knowing that things have changed and not knowing how to move on not knowing what the next thing is again this the monologue about harvey weinstein comes to mind um but also just these these agents who work in this industry that is already dead and like the corpse is just like it's having its death twitches as they're you know residing inside of it and like espousing its supposed values Um, and uh, and also they're struggling up with with, you know, he he talks about, you know, the um, they're also struggling, of course, with, you know, with technology and and this data harvesting and stuff. But, at, you know, at the movie sort of ultimately concludes pretty in a way that is, if anything, slightly too on the nose, uh, you know, at the end of the day, the Internet kind of is really isn't the problem. Like the, the problem is we just cannot stop fucking with each other. And also the problem is that we're stuck in these systems that don't that aren't ready to change yet, or we're not ready to figure out how to change them, yeah. and like I feel like a lot of people feel like we're in that this moment right now where the future uh, is is waiting to be born, but we don't know how to uh, how to guide that process. And it, that sounds very high minded, but I just I think the movie captures some of that anxiety of right
0: now in a way that is not too overbearing. It is like a modern twisted delinquent cousin to Robert Altman's The Player.
1: Uh, Mm -hmm. I would I would say it's it's almost it's if you want to be really crude, it's sort of like the player meets in the company of men.
0: Yeah, that's a good comparison. I I think I think it doesn't really end as well as it begins. Like, I do think that when we do get sort of like a reveal about who the mastermind is behind sending these secret invitations to get people to have sex in hotel rooms and then blackmail them, like I think. That sort of like it doesn't really fall apart, but it's it's not necessarily like the most interesting aspect of the film. And I can mm-hmm. see a lot of people like not really liking the big reveal and how it all sort of like wraps up in the end. But I I think like Jim Cunning's performance is just so good. I think the writing is great, like especially the dialogue and the movie looks great. Like the soundtrack, the actual score by Ben Lovett is amazing, and like the fact that they actually had to you know create the sound design and compose the score in a closet because of the pandemic and the guy was like in his apartment like trying to work and complete this movie post-production is is pretty amazing and it's like it's great that we we got movies like this in 2021 because yes things sort of started to return to normal for most of the year to some degree but like we only had our movie theaters open in the summertime and they got shut down again in December. So like, I was lucky that I, for example, got to see Spider-Man like the night before they shut down movie theaters. Mm -hmm. Cause God forbid if that movie was spoiled for me, like just surfing the internet. But um, yeah, it's great to have movies like this. And we're going to talk about a few more of these movies in the upcoming weeks, because I watched like 10 great, fantastic, like straight to video, like horror slash thrillers this week and i was like man these movies should have been released on the big screen and seen on the biggest screen possible where they can make the most money possible and i mean the guy's doing well but you know i just i just think more people need yeah. to
1: yeah I, I um yeah definitely more people should be supporting films like this uh in any way they can the last thing i want to mention actually before we go is that like and i feel like we haven't stressed this enough this movie is extremely fucking funny like i laughed a lot uh there is an almost wordless sequence uh, that ends with Jim Cummings saying, "Yeah, sh- shit, she said it." And I, I, I won't give you context for what he means. That he realizes that she definitely said. Uh, but that sequence was fucking
0: laugh out loud funny, in my opinion. Which hey, I don't know. Oh, Did she actually say what he thinks she said, or is that just in his imagination? I mean, the movie leaves that Open. ambiguous, I
1: guess. But it it certainly seems like she said it. At I least that was my take.
0: It. I think she said it.
1: But I mean, either, either way, her reading of the line is perfect. That's the biggest mystery. <laughs> of the uh, shout out to uh shout out to uh, to Jacqueline Doak, who's very, very good and funny in that scene. Anyway, uh, that's it from us. That's it. That's the whole episode. We're going to keep doing these uh, nice short hits, recommendations and uh, discussions in
0: shorter form for y'all on a more regular basis. Anything else we got to say before we go? You can find the podcast over at sortedcinema.com. You can find me on Twitter at sorted cinema. Basically, sorted cinema will lead you to our archive. You can listen to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, YouTube, everywhere. Um, that's about it. If you like what you hear, spread the word, tell your friends, and uh, subscribe.
1: And uh, go watch the beta test. I guess it's a good movie. All right. Uh, I'll talk to y'all later. So, for months, we're trying
0: to get in touch with the guy's team, we're trying to sign the guy to the agency. No answer. We're doing everything we can, trying to reach the guys' higher ups, everything. We're trying every possible combination of email address. Doesn't work, nothing. All right, so I've been reading a lot about the Medici family. These guys, they got all the money in the world. They're secluded from everybody. And I was thinking, and I was like, these rich people, they don't have social media. You can't get in touch with these people. They don't have Facebook or anything. But you can bet these motherfuckers have Venmo. No. Oh, yeah, bro. So I sent the guy a Venmo request for two pennies to get his two cents about Jordan and I being his agents. And that worked? Fuck yeah, it worked. That's why I ordered champagne. We're meeting with his team tomorrow. Oh. Wow. New World. <laughs> Is that legal? What are we gonna get in trouble? Excuse me. You never told me anything. Can get a check?